0: Welcome, audience, to the latest episode of the Talk In Indeen podcast. I'm your host Majid, and today I have my usual uh, co host, Brother Rash.
1: Assalamu
2: alaikum.
0: And also, we have uh, return the return of our history enthusiast, Brother Ishti.
2: Assalamu alaikum,
0: As-salamu brothers. Wa alaikum, as-salam. assalam. How are you doing? Alhamdulillah, good. Alhamdulillah. How things been? Busy. Busy? Yeah. <laughs> so, we haven't brother, seen him for a while <laughs> We've not seen brother Ishti for a while Because uh, the brother got married uh, I pray that inshallah Allah keeps your marriage uh, secure And Ameen, uh, on the deen
1: Ameen, so,
0: uh, so you know many people talk about I don't know it's like a joke Like people get married and then they disappear <laughs> But in your case
2: bro I've seen that actually happened <laughs> You know alhamdulillah the sunnah of marriage is a blessing Sometimes you have to enjoy the blessings of Allah Oh <laughs> mashallah ma- <yeah>, ma- Okay
0: <laughs> subhanallah Right Let's get on to the topic guys Inshallah. Uh, And today uh, The topic is a very important one, Brothers and sisters Now most of you May already know about What's going on in Palestine In regards to the deal of the century We know that uh, You know a while back uh, America recognized uh, Jerusalem as being the capital Of Israel And also uh, They recognized that the Golan Heights Was part of Israel And we know that uh, Not long ago uh, Trump and his son-in-law uh, Jared Kushner They announced their deal of the century But What this podcast is going to concentrate on Isn't the deal of the century Because what I was thinking is that You know when the deal of the century was announced And and the moves that have been carried out In those lands recently You know when you look at the reaction Of the Muslim world I was thinking subhanallah If Muslims really understood what Al-Quds means, what Al-Aqsa means to in, to Islam, to Muslims. How can it be that the reaction is as low as it is? How come there isn't the uproar that this place deserves, i.e. Al-Quds? So what we want to do today is we want to discuss the, ish, the issue of Al-Quds. We want to discuss what does Al-Quds mean to Muslims? What does it mean in Islam? And inshallah Allah, we hope that when we deliver this podcast, it will be delivered in a way that parents can sit down with their children and explain to them and show to them this podcast so that we have an awareness within the ummah, certainly the next generation, on what Al-Qud means. Okay. So brothers, my first question to you guys is, I think it's important to maybe explain mm. the terms of Al-Quds, Al-Aqsa, Baitul because a lot of times we may think that people are aware of what these terms mean what do you guys think okay
1: yeah no no really important because I think and I'll speak about myself as well there was I had to do reading you know not so long ago and maybe even more recently as well about there are a lot of terms that are, are thrown around and you assume that they are all linked to the land of Palestine, and they are. So you naturally, as long as you have an appreciation for that, the importance of it, you just you go, okay, it means that. But really, a lot of people don't know. And to be fair, just going quickly back to your point at the beginning is, even during my khutbah on Friday, I did ask the question um, of how many of you know about the deal of the century? Or what did okay? say? And so obviously, I was just looking to see people's reaction to it. And a fair few people nodded their head. While I was giving the khutbah, but a few people immediately was like, What is this deal of the century? You could see from their reaction. So I was just trying to gauge a reaction during the khutbah to see how many people, you know, really have heard of it. And again, my khutbah was again on this topic because rather than the deal of the century. Because the reason for pressing that button is just to see if we don't know about the deal of the century, it may be because we are not looking at is what is happening in the Muslim lands and especially It's not just Muslim land which is hopefully what we'll speak about today. So I think like you said the first thing we should do is speak about some of these terms and I'll start one off rather than me mentioning them all I will say that so when people say Al-Quds they are talking about Jerusalem because Al-Quds itself means the holy or the holy one. So people refer it to as Jerusalem and like you said it's being now saying that this is the capital of Israel but Al-Quds is talking about Jerusalem. This is Holy Land in itself. So I'll start off with that one really, rather than okay. reeling all of them off.
0: And I'll explain the one of Al-Aqsa because this is the one mm. where subhanAllah, over the times, um, you know, I remember we had the issue where in most Muslim houses, you had a picture of the dome of the rock. Yeah. And and people thought
1: this was Al-Aqsa. Even now, don't you? You see all mm. these videos that people make. If you ever see, whether you go on TRT World or anybody who makes a video of Al-Aqsa and what is happening, you always see the Dome of the Rock. So the Dome of the Rock is the one which is the one with the gold yes. top, isn't it? So, but,
0: but the thing is, is originally I thought there was a conspiracy theory, <laughs> mm-hmm. what, which was that Al-Aqsa Masjid okay, what is the mosque, the building that's across... The Dome of the Rock Mm. But still Actually If somebody was to show The picture of the Dome of the Rock And say This is Al-Aqsa This is not entirely incorrect Mm. Because I would say Originally I would say that No That's not Al-Aqsa Masjid Or that's not Al-Aqsa Al-Aqsa is the mosque That's in front of it But in reality Al-Aqsa Is the whole land Where the complex What they call The Temple Mount Temple Mount All that land Is Al-Aqsa so even if those two buildings, well, I, I'm sure Ishi, our historian, will touch upon this. But even if those two buildings weren't there,
1: mm. it would still be Al-Aqsa. Al-Aqsa is
0: still Al-Aqsa, Al-Aqsa because yeah. it's that land. yeah. So Al-Aqsa is the land that when you see a, a bird's eye view of this, you see the mosque and you see the Dome of the Rock.
1: Yeah. You see all of the gates around the outside. Yes. You see the Dome of the Rock, which is with the gold top. You see the other Qibla Mosque. Ghibli Mosque, which mm. is the grey top, yes. you see the tiny little version of the of the other mosque next to the Dome of the Rock. There's a, a little version with a little top. Okay, you see that? so there's quite a few, and then you see what what is the the, the Wailing Wall, as they call mm. it. The, yeah, so all of that actually yeah. all sits atop
2: Al Aqsa. Al Aqsa. So yeah. Ishi was Beit al-Maktos. Beit al Just as a side note, okay. that Temple Mount was what they say Sulaiman built. Yeah. Yeah. So it's uh, the, when he was yeah, During his time He built yep. that And that is classed as a blessed place Masjid Al-Aqsa Or Masjid Al-Aqsa <laughs> Is <laughs> <laughs> it Basically It's the masjid From where the Prophet During his uh, night journey Al-Isra and Wal-Miraj When he travelled up to the heavens uh, he, he went and ascended to the heavens But he led the prophets in prayer So it's the masjid that not often shown, it has a kind of greenish appearance, grey-greenish appearance. And is, as you said, not often shown. Um, and as it is mentioned in the Qur'an, its blessings, are, uh, sorry, its surroundings are blessed as well. So yeah, it's an actual masjid from where the Prophet uh, ascended to the heavens. And bayt al-Maqdis? bayt al-Maqdis. So bayt al-Maqdis is just a term that means
1: house of the holiness. House of holiness, yeah? So actually bayt al-Maqdis is also that area. So, some people say Al Aqsa. Yep. You've heard lots of the Al Aqsa compound, Baytul Maqdis, Temple Mount. They're all referring to that area, and that area exists within Jerusalem.
2: SubhanAllah. Yeah? I forgot to mention it's it's yeah. uh, translated as the furthest mosque. Yes, Baytul right. Maqdis. Yeah.
0: Okay, mashallah. So,
2: if you think about Al-Aqsa. it. Al Aqsa. Al Aqsa, yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's what you meant. Yeah. Al Aqsa. Okay. My point, I was still talking about my point.
0: Okay, no problem. So, if you think about it, when you see uh, the. Israeli troops the occupying troops that are on that are on the temple mount or as they would call it Mm. Basically is it doesn't really matter whether they go inside the Masjid or not. They are on al-Aqsa aren't they?
2: They are on al-Aqsa when they are there and this is something which is prohibited for them to be right? You know, I'll I'll give you an example, right? Say you're in the Haram, right? And you saw a non-Muslim there. How would you feel? Not necessarily in the Kaaba, just yeah. in the, on in the yeah, enclosed exactly, area. Exactly, you should yeah. have the exact same feeling because it is yeah. the exact same thing.
0: Okay, well let's 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 move on to that. I think, Alhamdulillah, I think hopefully uh, for our listeners uh, and viewers, we've explained some key things of Al aqsa Quds, uh, Maqdis, um Al Quds. Yeah. So that leads on to the the next question, which is Al Quds, and when we talk about Al Quds, remember we are talking about Jerusalem. Hmm. Okay, so Al-Quds is the, the holy one, the ho- like as Rash explained, the holy area. And within Al-Quds, we have the, the mosques, okay, the mosque, shall I say, right? So the question is, is that what does Al-Quds mean to Muslims? What status does Al-Quds have in Islam?
2: I'm going to start this off by asking a question that Abu Dhar asked the Prophet wasallam, And he asked, O Messenger of Allah, which masjid was built first on earth? And the Prophet replied, the sacred masjid of Makkah, i.e., the Haram, the the Kaaba, as we all know. Uh, Abu Dar then decided to ask, what was the second mosque built? And the Prophet said, Masjid al Aqsa. So Abu Dar naturally asked the question, so what was the period in between the two mosques? Because we all know that the Kaaba was the first mosque built on earth. And the Prophet replied, 40 years. So, 40 years after the Kaaba was built, Masjid al-Aqsa was built.
0: So, just to confirm or clarify, shall I say, is who is it true that Ibrahim al-Islam built the uh, the Kaaba or when you're talking about the first instance, who built the Kaaba or the, the Masjid?
2: I think this is a bit of a scholarly debate right? Okay. and there are some scholars who say Ibrahim al-Islam built it yes. and it's also verified that Ibrahim al-Islam, he resided in Palestine. Yes r- The land of Palestine Yes, yes, yes uh, In fact, there's a city named after him Al-Khalil, Hebron Hebron, yes, yes Yeah So, but there's some that say It started at the time of Adam Alayhi Okay And it was him who built it Him Alayhi
1: And there might be The confusion might be When people say Qibla You know, it's not about, it's not about the, the mosque, the Qibla itself Being built by Adam Alayhi salam. It's the idea that That was the plate The first place of Tawheed The first place of worship Was where the Qibla is now or In we... terms of a location
0: or do we see in a different way? Do, like I think that's yeah. a fantastic point there, Rash. You're not talking about the physical building. No, exactly. But what we're saying is that these, these land, this land yeah. was holy then.
1: Exactly. So it starts off as being the Adam Salam built the first, as you class it as, when we say mosque, we're not talking about what looks like a mosque now with a minaret on the top. We're talking about a place of worship. So the first place of worshipping Tawheed, worshipping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala by Adam Salam was where Makkah is now. And then the second place, as you said, 40 years later, was in where Al-Aqsa is now.
2: Interesting enough, and this is a very minor point, there are hadith that I've read a while ago that say that, you know, Hud al-Islam, who's before Ibrahim al-Islam, he used to visit the land of the Kaaba. So those places are holy by definition. It's yeah. not the building that makes them, it's the land. land. Yeah. So basically
0: what you're saying is that the, that land, this land we're talking about uh, has been blessed, has been holy. From a very long time ago, we call them
2: Ard al-Mubarak. The the land itself is uh, blessed.
0: Way way before, yeah. for example, the revelation of the Quran. Yeah. Okay, Subhanallah. So in regards to uh, Islam, then, in regards to the the, the final message uh, in the the Wahi that you mentioned before, I mean the revelation, what does uh, the Quran tell us? Obviously, Quran tells us we take our we take the information about Bayt al-Maqdis. About this area from the Quran and the Sunnah, anyway. Okay, so what we do know, like you're saying, is that mm. that land Allah has blessed this land way back, and, and from what I know, is certainly the the land of uh, uh, Palestine, the land of Al Quds, this is where many, many prophets resided. Yeah, there were many mm. prophets that lived in this land, this blessed land. Yeah, uh, so what does uh, the Quran uh, tell us specifically then uh, about this land?
2: I think it's worth mentioning this yeah. because. You know, to that, we say the stories in the Qur'an. Well, it's actually histories of the prophets. It's not yeah. stories. Yes. Because they happened and they, we take lessons from them. Uh, and there are many of them. And so from the time of Ibrahim al-Islam, who's, the, uh, as I understand, the first prophet in uh, Palestine, he built uh, the Kaaba, obviously, in Mecca. Uh, there's been many, many generations of prophets who followed him. So this has been a place of revelation. Many a revelation has come there. From uh, Yaqub al-Islam, to uh, Yusuf al-Islam Dawud al-Islam. al-Islam Famously Sulaiman al-Islam he, They built the Temple Mount Subhanallah. Isa al-Islam mm. And finally It was passed on to uh, the Prophet th-
0: So
2: this is how we should see it This is not just a normal land This has been blessed by the presence of numerous Prophets
0: and I think something which I think we'll, we will come to later But just to maybe mention at this point Is the fact that people shouldn't get confused And you're mentioning like just say Sulaiman al-Islam. We are mentioning some of the prophets, which uh, you know, uh, just say the the Jewish people tried to uh, uh, you know, have a monopoly over, mm. uh, or Isa al-Islam Christians. So here we're talking about all the all the Anbiya, They were all Muslim. Yeah, all the Umbiyah were Muslim. So this land was blessed by Allah subhanahu wa taala, not not to a particular particular uh, prophet. It's blessed for in, in effect mm. the world for mankind, right?
2: What does Allah say? They say they, the Christians say that Ibrahim al-Islam was uh, Christian, and the Jews say that Ibrahim al-Islam was Jewish. But Ibrahim al is one who submits to Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala, yeah, Muslim, yeah. and he, and that's how we see every one of the Anbiya, the prophets. They submit to the to the Allah Subhanahu wa Taala in the right manner. Um, as a side note about Sulaiman al-Islam, you mentioned Ghibli Masjid. Uh, there's a story. You know, Sulaiman islam was given command, absolute command over man, jinn, birds, etc. And there's a story that when Sulaiman al-Islam passed away, that the jinns were being driven so hard, right, that they didn't realize he'd passed away. And there's a position known where he passed away. And there's, there's part of that Masjid Ghibli. If you look under the Aqsa uh, compound, you can still see the stone columns and the arches, and there's a bit of history about it. Okay. So Sulaiman, there's a bit of our little mm. history tied into these places that not many people know. I just like, like that as a bit of knowledge.
0: Yeah, yeah, SubhanAllah. Because obviously you, you hear the story about... Uh, that uh, Suleiman is islam was resting mm. on his uh, staff.
2: Yeah, and the staff and dropped.
0: And I think Ant yeah. ate at it. Mm. And, uh, but that's why also I remember someone else mentioning the fact that even within the Al-Aqsa compound, there's many, many other mosques. Yes. And I think you're on about these because we always think mm. there's just one or there's, and there's yeah. the Dome of the Rock. But, okay, so uh, in regards to uh, the Isra Miraj, you know, maybe we should shed some light. On this because now this is something which is directly happening in the life of the messenger sallallahu alayhi wasallam the final messenger
2: before we yes there's a very important point i'll, I'll, I'll let, let you just come in in a moment you know yeah so they, they, went, they went through a really difficult time so allah subhanahu wa ta'ala decided to honor the prophet sallallahu wasallam due to this due, uh, journey isra wal miraj isra is the part where the prophet went to uh, jerusalem to, to pray and Miraj is the ascension to the heaven. Um, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reveals the ayat in Surah Isra. Bismillahir Rahmanir rahim Subhanallah, the Asrabi adhihi laylam minal masjid al harami ila masjid al aqsa. Allah, the barakna li linurihi min ayatina. Innahu was sami'ul basir. Exalted is he who took his servant, i.e., the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, by night from masjid al haram to the masjid al aqsa. So here, both. The Kaaba is mentioned and Masjid Al-Aqsa. But the interesting bit, whose surroundings, so it's Al-Aqsa and the surroundings are blessed. So Allah is saying the land is blessed. Clearly. To show him one of our signs. Indeed, he is the hearing and the seeing. And this is the first time that connection is made to, uh, to uh, Jerusalem, Masjid Al-Aqsa. And that's the first time the connection to the Muslim between this land is cemented through revelation.
0: And we know that uh, the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam he led the uh, Anbiya in Salah on the blessed land, like on, the, on the Isra part.
1: Yeah, so a point I'd like to make is, you know, sometimes as Muslims, what we do is we, you know, we've the, the prevalent society has affected us. So some people say this place is, is important because it's strategic. This place is important because it's Muslim land. Yeah. You know, this place is important for for various reasons now, the material reasons. But this is where I think, like you say, the ayat that you gave it that should give it significance. The land is blessed. This is where the miraj, to, you know, it started from. But equally, like we could ask if Allah, what simply wanted to take the Prophet sallallahu so, up to the heavens to give him the salah that we know that that was when. The obligation of salah, the five daily salah, was given to the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. You know, it's one of the obligations that were given not on this earth. You know, all the other obligations that we've been given, it came came by a revelation True. to the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam whilst on earth. And salah is so important that it was given on that night. But it could have just taken him up. It didn't have to take him all the way to the blessed lands. Even Makkah is is blessed. Even Makkah is blessed. So. He chose to take him to Al-Aqsa. Highlighting the significance of taking him to Al-Aqsa. Like you said, leading the Salah in in front of all of the Anbiya. You know, thousands and thousands of prophets. And then choosing to take him up to the heavens. So that alone should highlight the significance of this land. You know, if anything happened to Makkah now, if Makkah was occupied... How much would that agitate us? So why isn't it that now Al-Aqsa is occupied, Jerusalem is, Jerusalem is occupied, Palestine is occupied. Why isn't it having that same agitation? And of course, for some people it is. I'm not, it's not a blanket, you know, criticism. But it's, it's a criticism to ourselves that we should appreciate just how important this land is. And it's not because of, you know, just because it's Muslim land, it's because it's blessed land, like Allah says in, in the Qur'an.
2: You know, it, it, there's another aspect to this, right? And it, you reminded me of, that, um, of Surah Teen, because, you know, there's a very important significance of that journey. And you say, you make a really interesting point that, you know, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala taught, had this pit stop, the mm. greatest pit stop of all time, right? SubhanAllah. Right? You know, at the, the, why I mentioned Surah Teen? <laughs> By the uh, by the fig and by the olive, mm-hmm. yeah. So these are said to be the signs of al Islam and sorry Adam Islam and al Islam. What what mean, that's a symbol of where Musa Islam received the revelation, and Wahad al Amin ayi Makkah. There's a like a journey through the prophethood. So you know we say there's a Sharia of Dawood, al Islam, Al Islam that they all carried on, and this is and this is where it ended in Makkah. And why he led those pro- Prophets in prayer Was to show that now he's taking the mantle Of that leadership of Prophethood It's his Sharia mm. And he's leading them to show that significance So we've got to make that clear in people's head This is a very important time in Islam That this is where the Prophet took that mantle right. This is that yes. very night in this very mosque Nowhere else And as you say it's a very important place mm. For that and, reason
0: And also if you think about it When the When SubhanAllah when the Muslims And we were going to touch upon this But when they did uh, conquer uh, Liberate. Palestine liberated it uh, You know the significance that when they were when they went to what they would have known as the the, the, the Al-Aqsa compound yeah, or the at that Holy time the Temple yeah. Mount what they would mm. call it is the, the narrations are that they were they, they were crying and especially when Bilal radiallahu anhu when he made the Adhan because this because he reminded them of the messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam because he had passed away yeah. but they remind them that he was here he mm. led the Anbiya in yes. Salah on this place. And it was just, for them, it was, swan, it was amazing. So, you know, I think in regards to the significance, well, didn't no. point?
1: Like I say, even what we've said now should highlight how important it is. But there is more. There's quite a few more things. Let me just very quickly mention some of the other things. Yeah, go for it. Because first of all, we know there's reward attached to praying in Masjid Al-Aqsa, which is more than any other mosque other than Masjid Al-Haram and Masjid Al-Nabawi. Yeah, so Makkah, Medina, and the third place where you are you are given extra reward to pray Salah in is Masjid Al-Aqsa. So I've heard different um, kind of hadiths, one that says 250 times mm. and another one that says 500 times more reward to pray in Masjid Al-Aqsa than any other mosque. That's one aspect, that's the reward aspect. Mm. Then the other aspect is even to travel to a masjid, as an intention to say, I'm going to visit a masjid for the for the masjid itself. There's only three that you're allowed to travel to, and again, that is those three masjids. So, the fact that Masjid Al Aqsa is included in them all of these times, those are important. There's also another. No, just, just on that point, Sorry just to just say yeah, to
0: yeah. you, you mentioned three mosques. Mm. You know, in the Quran, only two mosques are mentioned. Are mentioned. Yeah, uh, Masjid Al Haram and Masjid Al Aqsa. Exactly. Masjid Nabi is not mentioned. Even though it's second in that list of reward aspect you're saying. But if 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 that if that mosque came under occupation, how would we react, even though we know that, you know, that mosque is not even mentioned in the Quran? But here you're talking about you're
1: specifically talking about the a mosque, mosque that you... is mentioned in the Quran. Yeah. So that in itself should be a significance for us. I think there's also a hadith that mentions that if you want all of your sins to be forgiven, start your pilgrimage. At Masjid Al-Aqsa. Subhanallah. Start there and then go to Masjid Al-Haram and then do your for pilgrimage Hajj. for Hajj. Yeah, If you do that pilgrimage, it's like a, an extra level. Yeah, So there's, there's those aspects. Then there's also the aspect that some people are aware of, I'm sure, or many people are aware of, is that the Qibla, the direction of Salah, was for the Muslims initially, was to pray towards Masjid Al-Aqsa. Put it this way. So, again, during the time of the Prophet, so, initially, so. The, all of the Muslims would be facing Masjid al Aqsa to pray. And that lasted for several months, nearly a, what is it, nearly a year and a half. Month 16, or 16 months. 16 months. So, and that was during. In Just Maqa, to confirm, even though they were in Mecca. Even mm. though they were in Mecca, they weren't praying towards the Qibla. Are you towards the Kaaba? Towards the Kaaba. Sorry, yeah, of course, Qibla is both. Um, (laughs) Even then, not praying towards the Kaaba. So sometimes, and I'm sure, like I say, a lot of people know this, but when I speak to my children about it, they're surprised. Oh, everybody prays towards the Kaaba. How is it that there was a time when we didn't pray towards the Kaaba? So the fact that was our Qibla, Masjid Al-Aqsa was the direction we prayed until it was changed. And I remember there's the mosque of Qiblatain, you know, in, in Medina, which is the mosque which has the two Qiblas. Mm-hmm. It has one direction because that was the mosque that the Sahaba was in when the direction changed. So they actually have two Qibla, Qiblas That's the mosque there.
0: where when you pray two rak'ah uh, Nafil, it's the same as Umrah Reward. No, Rewar.
1: no that's, that's the Masjid Quba. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. but. Anybody who goes on Hajj or just Umrah or just goes there to visit, they should. Those two mosques in Medina, they have significance. Mm. Like I say, Masjid Kuba has significance because that was like the resting place. That was the first mosque that was built there by the Prophet on his journey to Medina. So that has significance. And yes, the reward of an Umrah. Just just a side comment is that
0: I'm sure, I can't remember, I'm sure it was India where they found this mosque. I shared it ages ago They found this mosque And they like, It was like uh, You know They did excavation They came across it And there was a member there And that member was facing uh, Al-Aqsa ah, so, so, okay. Allah Allah, oh. Allah-, Allah-, Allah- how, yeah, that, yeah, yeah. how That was the case But that was quite interesting but, yeah, So so, 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 uh,
1: so no no Those are really other things And you know Just to add There's, there's more as well To be fair so, There's so, more
0: So what if I said What if yeah. I asked you Is the issue of Al-Quds For Muslims Is it an akida matter is it something which is like uh, uh, part of our, of our Iman?
2: See, that's the point. When we mention revelation, what happens? That automatically becomes part of our identity. You know, we say Aqeedah and we say Iman, right? I've started to use this term identity because that's who we are. That's mm-hmm. part of our personality. When Allah says it's blessed, I say it's blessed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You should, it's as simple as that isn't it yes. I'm not going to go any uh, You can't go any simpler than that Allah said that's blessed mm. Right And there's a further point That I want to start making About the history of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam Because you know You know as the land Was becoming more stable The Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam Right The Romans They knew There were Arabs Right In Arabia Funnily enough But They didn't care they were like, oh, what am I going to go, go, go to Arabia for? They just sort of like, they fight amongst each other and that's it. But you know, the Prophet Sallallahu and you know, the Arabs before, they wouldn't imagine going against the Arabs. The Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam started going because he had the idea of that land. He sent Muta, the, uh, the Battle of uh, Muta. sent the Battle of Tabuk. So it was already in the hearts. That's where the connection was made. And the uh, Battle of uh, Osama bin Zaid, Like he ready the army to go out, but unfortunately he passed the army, away. The army of Osama. Yeah. And you could see that connection. That they wanted that land. They wanted to be a part of that land. And these raids, these battles were very close to that land. Okay, so the point. Le-
0: le- so, so no, no, because what I'm thinking is is that uh, is the next question I want to ask anyway. So you can continue. Is the fact that um, in regards to uh, the conquests, how was then um, Al-Quds brought into the under the fold of uh, the Islamic rule?
2: And I think the part, the part, the point I was making earlier was that it was already in the heart that we want this land because it's part of our identity. Okay. That's the point. And actually, That's it's for And it's point. actually really important uh, that, that we bring that up because Abu Bakr ta'ala an Now, there's a, there's a story that uh, the Prophet readied the army and he camped them out in a place. Uh, I forgot the name is. I think it might be a uh, Jurf or something like that. Um, and he'd ready them, and unfortunately, the Prophet passed from from this earth and. The army came back. Obviously, there's sadness, and you know the Prophet said that's the most difficult thing that Ummah is going to face. He's passing away, right after Abu Bakr ﷺ told that army to go back three days later, and he sent it off to follow in the footsteps of his father, i.e., back in that land. Anyway, a time later, Shurahbil ibn Hassan came to the Prophet, sorry, Abu Bakr and said, "Have you been thinking about Palestine?" And Abu Bakr said, "Actually, fully enough, I have." And they decided to do shura. And he raised this issue and umar said i've been thinking about it as well so you can see the sahaba they see it as part of them even though they haven't stabilized they're entrenched in the persian lands they want it because they see it as part of them their identity who they are and what islam is about
0: Subhanallah. and
2: they ready the plans
0: Subhanallah. and
2: they discuss how they're going to take this land and they had a plan uh, they they sort of built up a plan decide to go ahead and take this land And they ended up with you know famous battles like Yarmouk.
1: Yeah. You know, a quick point for me about that is that this is why it's linked to your question, but it's also related to the fact that you're saying that, um, why why it's linked to Aqidah as well. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, when he talks about this land, he talks about this being under the dominion of the believers. And when it says being under the dominion of the believers and implementing the deen of Allah, that means, you know, as we might go into some of the t- political bits later on, even today, if a land, if a country who completely does not, you know, implement the Sharia of Allah decides that all of a sudden they're going to take that land, that that dominion over that land is for those people who implement Allah's Deen. It's not just for anybody, and I think that's where it's part of our aqidah is to say that, like you said is it comes from the Quran, Allah is telling us about this land and therefore we have to embrace that. And the Sahaba, like you said there, they already had that um, love for that land that they wanted to go and and liberate it and bring it under Islam. To the extent that when we talk, say, about Salahuddin Al-Ayubi later as well, that they had choices. They actually had choices as to which land to take next. And always, when the choice um, was between anywhere and Palestine... That was always the the choice. So that also highlights just how important, you know, historic people in our in in Islam always you know highlighted that at such a high level.
0: Yeah Of course, I mean, uh, it's a fantastic point that you guys make, and also you know we know that the uh, the companions, the Sahaba, uh, they loved the Messenger ﷺ so much that you know when he was making wudu, they would try to grab the the water and stuff like that, and and they knew. The importance uh, of this land, but on top of that, also, is they knew that their messenger they love so much led the umbiya in salah. And you know, I've never thought about, never ever thought about that point that you made about the pit stop. Obviously, mm. the wisdom of Allah is not something that we know, so unless there's definite evidence, that's the reason why. But you know, if you think about it, the significance, the fact mm. that you know, it could have just been a one way to the to the to Jannah and back, but it went there. And really, if you think about it, to the Arabs of Mecca, mm. what significance? If anything, what, what significance
1: was that place? To yeah. be fair, you could look at it the other way. So the significance could—you know—some people questioned it. They immediately questioned. So maybe the the fact they questioned that, how could you have got in one night all the way to Palestine? And just to go up and get the revelation, they might not have questioned that because he was mm. getting revelation anyway. So the fact that he mentioned that he went there and he later on was able to describe the place, which gave, you know, there was a lot of people who said, oh, look, you know, when they came to Abu Bakr famously and said, look, the messenger is saying that he in one night he managed to go all the way to Al-Aqsa and back again. You know, people are going to call him crazy. Quickly go and tell him to stop saying, saying this. Mm. You know, if that didn't happen... For some people, that might have been easier to believe, you know, especially it's like the hypocrites and people like that. But it happened, and it has that link, and it's, yeah. it just highlights yeah. its importance even more. So, you know, in regards to the the, the conquest of uh, of uh, Jerusalem
0: of Al-Quds you know, the famous story, the fact that the Muslims set a siege, mm. and the um, uh, the patriarch of uh, of so what was the name of the uh, of what did the, what did the Romans call it? Alia was it?
2: Elia yeah, Ailia. yeah.
0: So the patriarch. Of this, this area this He decided area. to uh, Basically Give up the city um, And they had known About the uh, uh, The character Of uh, Umar ibn al-Hattab who was the khalifa At that time So they requested That uh, he comes And uh, you know accepts the The keys Himself mm. Mm. I'm gonna I'm just, I'm just
2: gonna Make a slight point Right um, I listen to a lot of History mm-hmm. War history Right And sometimes Like you know Some people listen to music Whatever I listen to History, <laughs> right? And you know, it was funny. I was listening to a, a general, a modern-day general, talk about the history, and he says, "When I think about the Muslim conquest, because he was doing it, you know, age by age, and he was talking about the Romans, etc." He goes, "I have no explanation." And I'll give you an example of why I make, make this point. So, you know, when we go out for a journey, we prepare, we put boots, whatever. If you're going to climb a mountain, you might have a different uh, shoe than this, that, the other. You know what? The, you know what happened when they went to Jerusalem? They came in sandals poorly equipped they didn't even have siege craft, siege, siege warfare mm. they did not have anything to siege that city. all they knew is that they wanted that land and it was allah's land so they decided to go out and what they used to do was they used to go out and circle the, the town and make sure there wasn't supplies mm. you know the byzantines thought you know what look at the state of these guys they didn't even have siegecraft they can't have got nothing to take the walls they've got nothing to even survive the winter but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made, them, made that happen And they decided with their sort of perseverance To, to not allow any uh, They basically starved the city And mm-hmm. the Romans couldn't handle it anymore yeah. um, So I think that When we look at these people You can actually see that That's how serious the matter was uh, When we talk about the patri- patriarch Or patronarch is it? Patriarch Patriarch. Um, I don't know
0: sophronius Sof- 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 Basically
2: he realised The status of this city to the Muslims, you could see these people—they're coming in this state. But he didn't want. Umar ibn al as was the commander. No, the overall commander was Abu Ubaidah. He was a the commander there outside. He said to him, "I want someone of a higher rank." You and he described him, and he goes, oh, you want our leader, Umar ibn al-Khattab?" And they they called for him, and he decided. You know, he decided to take the journey and take the keys from these people. I don't know if you want to mention the the story because it's a beautiful. Yeah, oh, no, history. no, it, it
1: is well worth mentioning the story. And you, you can get lots of really good versions of this on YouTube and things where it's telling you about the journey. Because I think originally when he did Shura to decide whether to go, there was an element of concern because normally a leader wouldn't leave, you know, his his place of protection to another land like this in case it was a trap of some sort. But he chose to go and he actually chose to take just one servant with him and and one, was it uh, just uh, one horse or a donkey. one okay, donkey? Come on. Camel. Oh okay, get it. It's camel. It camel. Okay. okay. I've heard a couple of different it, it was an animal. <laughs> okay.
2: <laughs> okay. <laughs>
1: Definitely animal. Yeah. So they chose to just take the one servant and, and actually make this journey, which is subhanAllah, especially nowadays, in today's day and time, when you've got these leaders that, you know, take these huge Jean. entourages and stuff like that. But anyway, he, he they decided to go and they were even if you if you've everybody who's heard the story, they took turns to ride race, the animal, yeah. and, you know, one would um, pull whilst the other, you know, the, he basically had the agreement at the beginning, 50-50, we take it in turns. And I think there was a bit of an issue when it got to the end, and nearly at the gates, the there was quite a few things that I'd seen mentioned previously, is that they put, like, a, a big red carpet out for him as well, and they sent clothes for him to wear, and also They you know, they really went out yeah. of their way to welcome... Umar bin Al-Khattab. So when he arrived, having actually slipped and got some mud on his clothes as well, and he was actually pulling at the time rather than being sat on on the animal, um, he had 14 holes in his uh, toe yeah, as well. Yeah. So and I think that was so like had patched. Yeah, Even patched. his clothes were had like patchwork on it. So I think was it Umar bin Al-As who went to, meet him? Uh, went to meet him? Abu Ubaidah. Abu Ubaidah went to meet him. Yeah, they went to um, speak to him and said, look, you know, you might, this is a bit humiliating. These guys are all prepared to receive you and, you know, you don't look like a, a leader. A and then that's when the, the famous saying comes. Uh, and I, I, will, I will say it rather than, I'll read it he rather actually than... actually
2: punched Abu Ubaidah. Not like punched and punched him, just held him in position. Uh, and, you know, it was a really serious matter. Have you managed to find it or it's here? Sorry. Just say it, We are people who are honoured through Islam. If we seek honour in any other way, Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala will dishonour us. So Ummah remembers that before Islam, they were quarrelling over or like having arguments over this camel came here, this that the other. Oh. But it's Islam that brought them to this position. And oh, if he oh, no. chooses anything, even to appease the people that have come out for him, that's away from what he came from. And he understood his position. Not to say Abu Ubaidah didn't realise that, but sometimes you get caught up in the moment. Okay. And Abu Ubaidah realised the situation.
1: No, no, this is it. And, and we, should, we should take lessons from that today. It's That's part of the issue that we have today is that maybe we look at leaders and things and we expect them to be like the lead, you know, the leaders of today which are just complete. But it's a memory mm, that is
2: Islam. Yeah. It's Islam that, that honours us. Nothing else honours us. Mm. If, if you take one step towards the dunya will eventually be dishonoured. Mm. Whether in this life or the next. Yeah, yeah. Whereas if you go towards Islam, whatever happens, even if you do the wrong thing, you'll get reward for trying.
0: Yeah. SubhanAllah. So, so one thing we know is that the the city was then you know, uh, given to the, the, the Muslims conquered it. Uh, then there's the Omni Treaty, which you're not really going to cover too much in this uh, section. But... The, there was like a treaty between Omar uh, and, uh, and, and the Christians.
1: Yeah, it is important actually, even like you said briefly, because when they look, we look at the deals that are being hatched today, where Muslims are finding it difficult to go and pray in Al Aqsa and they do have like a second class status, this was a time where, and we see it happen again many times in, in history, where the Muslims, when they were in control of Al Aqsa, they were in control of. Um, the, the, this sanctuary and Palestine, then they allowed Christians and Jews to be able to practice their religion freely, come and practice on these lands freely and not be oppressed. And we see this. And whereas when we we see that these lands are being occupied by the occupation now, that's, that's not the case. And they're not like, you know, the Crusades and things like that later on. So to be fair... It's really important to highlight that treaty. It's
0: true, but with, with the with the Omri treaty, one of the uh, the points of it, uh, which, like I said, it's uh, the reason why I want to bring it up is because it requires maybe half a podcast itself. Mm. Because you know, it's uh, easily
2: explained. Pe- it's the fact that the Jews were excluded from Jerusalem. That's right. And do you know who asked for that?
0: The the patriarch.
2: The Christians. Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. The Christians. It's easily explained. It that's was the right. Christians. Right yes, at the right. end of the day, it was, it's that simple, yeah. But you know what was really interesting about that, that treaty for me? I hadn't there was one point that I didn't realize when Umar signed it, he said, This is a covenant from Allah by Allah. His responsib- its res- uh, responsibility falls on the messenger, sallallahu wa sallam, the, 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 the believers, and the caliphs. Are you to say that this is a covenant by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, on this land?
0: So it's not just... <laughs> it's not by anyone. Yeah, yeah exactly, exactly. And, and to be honest with you, uh, especially the fact that uh, the issue to do with the, the, the Jews, even though the Christians had requested for the Jews to be not be allowed in, in within Al-Quds, okay? But what we have to understand is that the fact that Umar Anho he agreed to this and the companions also uh, agreed to it, what you're going to understand is normally in Islam, you know... Um, maybe in only in certain places can you um, stop people from residing in a certain area mm. so the fact that uh, uh, the fact that this was in line with islam otherwise the uh, the Khalifa omar uh, ibn khattab he would have refused this he would have said you're not allowed to do this mm. the fact that he agreed to this the fact that the companions agreed to this this became an ijma mm. okay that they were not allowed to reside in that area today When we speak to many people, they don't see the issue of Palestine or Al Quds, they don't really see it as an issue that the way the Sahaba understood. Mm. You know, you were talking about the Sahaba were eager to take that land. They don't see it that way. Why? Because what we see is that over the years, this conflict has been transformed from an Islamic issue to an Arab issue to a Palestinian issue to a West Bank issue to a a, a Gaza issue. Uh, A Fatah issue A Hamas issue And now then it's a humanitarian issue Mm. Okay Now it's to do with like justice Like you know uh, Like the the whole world wants justice for the people there And then it's talking Then then it's going to become into an issue Which is to do with nationalism I.e. we need These people need their own homeland They need their own flags And they need their own constitution etc So what we see is that Over the years What's been happening Is that Muslims I would say have lost that real connection, real that uh, real understanding, the real appreciation of that land, and that's why today a lot of people, when they think think about uh, Palestine, when you think about Palestine today, one of the first things you think about, shall I tell you what it is? You don't think about Masjid Laksa. you think about that flag, what they call the Palestinian flag, that people wear. Mm. But has anyone ever thought where did this where did flag come from? from yeah. mm. Who who designed this flag? Right design this flag so that's why i think it's very important that's why we we, we're doing this topic is because what we're trying to explain to muslims is that this issue isn't a palestinian issue no it's not an issue of apartheid
1: the issue here is as for muslims is our connection to that place i think a lot of people see it as similar to the oppression that muslim lands are, are going through so they might see what situation is happening in Iraq, what situation is happening in Syria, what situation happened or is still happening in Afghanistan. So they see Muslim countries suffering from oppression, be it from external, internal division, they see all of these things and they probably look at Palestine and go, similar is happening there. They look at Kashmir and, you know, we see there's similar yeah, there. Good point. So what ends up happening is because we see all of this oppression all over the world, in, especially in Muslim countries, that it's quite natural then to say, that's a, pro- that's a problem, what can I really do about it? And just put Palestine, put Al-Quds in the same bracket as all of those without going through, like we said towards the beginning of the podcast, the significance. That's not to say other Muslim lands aren't important, but to say that this land had a status which was far, far greater. And I think when, as, as an ummah, when we don't look at that in that same way, and we not even yearn for the fact that we need to solve this problem as a priority, then I think we start to get a bit fatalistic and start to say, look, maybe we can't do anything. And and, and then when other solutions Are given to us And we don't see An Islamic solution presented We You know We, we just go for those instead yeah. I think that's part of the issue And not finding The importance of that land
0: And also I think um, Just to add to that Rash And this important point that
1: You know If we see it
0: As a Palestinian issue mm. The reality is, is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has, has blessed The, the, the people of uh, of Quds mm. Because I'm telling you the, What they go through And the fact that the the Israelis have been offering them compensation for, mm. for so long, but they've kept their keys for their properties, which obviously their villages don't exist anymore. Exactly. Because one thing I was want to quickly mention at this stage is that when we're talking about Palestine, we're not just now just referring to Jerusalem, we're talking about the whole of Palestine. The mm. whole of Palestine is Muslim land. Yeah. Okay. But the point I'm trying to make is that we need to, subhanAllah, you know Allah's blessed the, the people of that land, right? But the issue isn't a Palestinian issue. What do I mean? What do I mean by this? If tomorrow the Palestinian people accepted a two-state solution, if they accepted that the Al-Quds could be an international zone mm-hmm. where it doesn't belong to anyone, where foreign troops will be there to make sure you know no one side can take it, if they accept the fact that, you know, okay, we'll have a we'll have a East Jerusalem as our capital. You have the if they accept that. If we think it's a Palestinian issue, that means we'll say, well, if the Palestinians are happy with it, that's fine. Hmm. But it's not the case. If all the Palestinians accepted this as
2: Muslims, we would still reject this. Absolutely. And you know, the way Muslims should see it is, if a non-Muslim came into the compound of the Haram. You know, at the end of the day, if you see a non-Muslim there, he'd be like an alien. What on earth are you doing here? You don't belong here. Go away. Just like these horrible humans that turn up and kick people out of the mosque. they dance in the mosque. They're making a point that we can do this. And the thing is, first, we have to reconnect to our identity, what it means to be a Muslim, what it means to Al-Quds means to us, right? And the other thing, the reason why I mentioned that General Allenby point, that he made a point that we're doing this, that, you know, Trump has said that it's undivided. It's not Muslims making this decision. There's rumours that Jared Kushner didn't consult when they were doing the Deal of the Century. He didn't consult the Palestinian side. This is our identity. This is who we are. That's our land. It's for us to make that difference. You know, at the end of the day, Anwar Sadat, what did he say? He said, when, when, you know, when he mentioned the Egyptians, he was the leader of Egypt. He said, um, Russia can give us weapons, but America can give us solutions. Wrong. What he should have said is, both of them can give us weapons. Allah gives us solutions. And there is only one solution. That is Muslim land. Exactly. Wallahi, you know, at the end of the day, think about this harbor." When they, when they didn't have sandals, they didn't have siegecraft. They had iman though. And that's what we have.
0: SubhanAllah. And you know, also what we see is that, you know, the arrogance, the arrogance of the occupiers. Yeah. We see that this has been emboldened. We see that over the years. You know, now maybe at one stage they may have felt like there's some conventional armies that are surrounding us. Through the Arab Spring, through the American plans, what we see is that these countries have been devastated now, right? Which to them... To the, to the israelis feels like they can do what they whatever they want so for example they take they've, they've now americans have said yeah golden heights is now part of uh, part of uh, israel okay now the thing is is that people can go on and say well look this is illegal against international law but the reality is is i just think about this who was in the golden heights u.n soldiers
2: mm-hmm. and if
0: you think about it when we look to u.n for solutions those soldiers they were really there to make sure the Muslims don't take that land. Exactly. And the fact that they've now announced it, they're not going to do anything. But you know, I want to just mention that. That's why, you know, what we see is that, like you mentioned, daily now, mm. the humiliation. You know, the second intifada. You know how the second intifada started? The second intifada started when Ariel Sharon, mm-hmm. he stepped foot. He stepped foot on the temple mount. Yeah. You know, until I didn't understand that all of that was al I thought, okay, we well didn't go in the mosque. But no, no he stepped on the temple and, subhanallah, today they are raving in the mosque. Yes. They are raving, waving their flags, they are having a party in their mosques. They decide who comes in, who goes out. This is this is the humiliation that the Muslims are feeling, but this is a humiliation not on the Palestinians. This is the humiliation on the Ummah, mm. because that land doesn't belong just to Palestinians; it belongs to the entire Ummah. Yes, and that's why you know when we understand what we spoke about, and this is why you know we first of all linked uh, the issue of al-Quds to our to our Iman, to our Aqeeda, to Islam. Once we understand it in this one, and I hope that you know for our listeners and our viewers that we've made it clear that what significance this place has now when you see this place in this this way and you see what's happening there today and you see the deal of the century and subhanallah an important point the deal of the century and the key point to make is that you know in the past other presidents have had their solutions Hmm. for the area and you might remember when trump came into power from the very first day, he starts saying, I've got a fantastic deal for the mid-Palestinian issue, Israeli issue. was called the deal of the century, but I'm going to reveal it later. Hmm. But you know, this is the only deal that in fact has already been implemented. Yeah, You know, he announced it not long ago. This has been, the actual plan has been implemented since the guy came into power. Do Muslims even understand this? So Muslims are waiting for this. Okay, let's see what, is, what this plan is going to be. What are you talking about? Look on the ground. Mm. Already they've recognized Jerusalem as an undivided capital of Israel. Golden Heights is gone. You see the settlements. Now they're going to recognize that these settlements are part of uh, Israel proper. Mm. Okay. This is happening. And if all Muslims don't wake up. And I'll tell you another important point as well. Is you know when the crusaders, when they were occupying uh, Al-Quds. Who liberated Al-Quds? Was it the people of Palestine? No, it wasn't.
2: Salahuddin was Kurdish. He was from outside Salahuddin
0: al-Ayubi. He came from ext- Why? Yeah. Because the people that are occupied, you cannot expect them to remove themselves of the occupation because yeah. if they had the means, they wouldn't be occupied okay. in the first place. Right? But as Muslims, as long as we see that this issue is going to be sorted out by charity, this issue is going to be sorted out by the UN, or Hamas is going to do it. As long as we believe this, and the continuation of the excavation under the... You know, the, you know, they're doing a lot of work. Because from their ideology, they want to rebuild Solomon's Temple. Yes. And the reality is, if the Muslims today are not doing anything about this... You know, if tomorrow, the building, what we think of Al-Aqsa Masjid, was destroyed... I'm telling you, and if, you know, it really hurts me to say this... I still don't think there'll be... I think there'll be demonstrations, there'll be riots... In Muslim lands, we'll burn our own properties, burn Mm. our own cars. Maybe a few Muslims will die in the riots, but in the
2: grand scheme of things, people won't do anything. They'll look to international law. How can they do this? You know, it's interesting that you say a humanitarian issue, this, that, you know, at the end of the day, right? Humanitarian issues have humanitarian solutions. National issues have national solutions. Islamic issues have Islamic solutions. And that's the first step we should take. Reconnect with our history. And reconnect with what our solutions are Because to be honest we, in, our, in our masjids Our imams given the Islamic solution Or the solution that's presented By people who have already signed off Jerusalem as being the capital That's the one horrible memory I have That when he signed it off Who, who, al- who, 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 gave, him right? who gave him that right? Who gave him that right? He's already signed it off Here you go It's done SubhanAllah
0: no, that's, that's, and uh, what do you guys? Uh, w- uh, what do you want to say about the those people who look uh, look to the rulers of the of, the, of those areas to uh, liberate that land?
2: May Allah help you. <laughs> okay. So <we'll> <laughs> but these are rulers that who already sold their souls mm. to get into those positions. They have to adhere. Look at what the Saudis have said. That there are some good in uh, Trump's plan. I can't remember the exact wording. But
1: that's what he said. Yeah.
2: There is some good, so we can work with this,
1: so we can negotiate on it.
2: So what you're going to do is you're going to forget about the blood of the army of Umar The blood of the Prophet You're going to forget that covenant that Umar had SubhanAllah You know these aren't normal people These are the best generation of the, after the Prophets After the Prophets come uh, uh, They'll be the Sahaba on the Day of Judgment And, actually, and they're going to renege on that How, There's nobody greater Wallahi, May the curse of Allah be on these people so they are the worst of people.
0: And you know, just to add to that, that, that point is that that comment was made in reference to recognizing mm-hmm. Israel. Exactly. That we will recognize them. There's some good in this deal. Let's work on it, and then we'll recognize them. And what does recognizing mean? It basically means to give that to give that land away. It means to give Quds away. And Subhanallah, that's why it is is for for any Muslims out there who are looking to the solutions mm. for these people to come to the age. in reality. You know the leaders of that land, of the Muslim lands that surround the area, they are they are the actual the defenders of Israel. Yes. They are the true defenders of Israel, because you know there is sentiment in the Ummah. There is sentiment in mm. the Ummah. I'm telling you something now. People of Egypt, I remember years ago, they were saying, "Open the borders, mm. open the borders. We'll go there." Because look, you got to understand. And Rash mentioned this on our when we did a podcast on the deal of the century, is that you know. A country where it's so small, hmm. right? So small with less population. In reality, it can't survive, right? If the people of Israel, I remember someone said to me a long time If the people of, uh, no, if the people of Egypt, if they were to spit towards Israel, yeah. they would drown the people. <laughs> I am talking purely on a population point yeah. of view, right? Yeah. So the people want to do this. What we have to understand is that these leaders were put there from day one, and they're still there. And they're there to make sure that this land is sold. And in the old days, they did it undercover. The mm-hmm. Now, they're doing, doing it more maybe. openly. So, when Muslims think about the deal of the century, they think about Trump's deal. SubhanAllah, only a few days ago, I was reading about they, they're going to have this new train station that's going to that's going to uh, arrive right under the uh, Bayt al Maqdis, mm. right? And it's going to be called Trump Station. Yeah. So it's going to be a Trump this is something which really as muslims and our our viewers and our listeners you know we really want you to really appreciate that what we're doing here and you know i can't put it better than what brother ishti said that this is the land where our beloved messenger who we love more than anyone other than allah subhanahu wa ta'ala this is the land where he led the um behind Salah. this is the land that the sahaba they fought over this is the land that umar the the man the great man who is buried besides our beloved messenger sallallahu he made that deal who the hell am I and who the hell are you and who the hell is Trump or any of the Muslim rulers who the hell do they think they are that they think they can rip up that treaty that Umar um <inaudible> made subhanallah this is something which we all should think about and hopefully in this podcast we want really wanted to get this across
1: you know the issue is we are we become fatalistic and you know previously previous generations looked at the prophecies mm-hmm. that the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam brought and that would give them motivation so when they hear about the uh, you know that the land of constantinople mm-hmm. will open to the muslims when the time you know the the time of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam during the battle of the trench when he we hit the rock yeah. and it was told that you know um the Sana will be open to you And you know, you'll take over the Romans and the Persians Those were motivating factors for the Muslims The Muslims that even after the death of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam The Muslims continued because they were motivated by those prophecies There are prophecies that continue to tell us That in the future, the, the capital of Islam will be Jerusalem The capital of Islam will be there Al-Aqsa will be under the Muslims. But where is the motivation today for us to say, we want to be amongst those Muslims who work for that to be under Muslim rule once again. Instead, like you said, we're looking at these solutions that are being presented to us that are, like Ishti said, they might be solutions to some minor humanitarian issues, but they're not solutions to occupation. And this is where we, like you said, we need to reconnect and we need to look at these prophecies and we need to be motivated by them and we need to work towards a, an actual solution not these solutions that are are being sold to us
0: subhanallah uh, any final points uh Ishti? i think rash somebody up beautifully there but mm, yeah. nothing, okay mm. so subhanallah if there's nothing else to add let's uh, bring this podcast to to a close um, the few for the final uh, thoughts from myself really is as muslims uh, we should really this should just be a motivation for you to just go and check out Go and do your history Because uh, Read your history Because as Ishdi said We need to connect back With Islam We need to connect back With our history And once we do this We will really understand What the Significance of Al-Quds Is to Muslims And I hope we've We've done Some of that You know it, It's what would they call it A scratch on the surface yeah. But inshallah Hopefully this can instill The motivation In you to do this And in regards to solutions We haven't got time To speak about solutions But one thing I will say Is that Nuruddin Zangi Rahimahullah Salahuddin Alayyubi Rahimahullah These great people didn't do charity runs. They didn't cycle for Palestine. They didn't do these things. They didn't look to the crusaders and ask them to give them part of of Jerusalem as as their capital. The solutions that they understood was that to take this land back it has to be taken back by force. It has to be taken by Jihad Fee Allah. This is a bigger issue, is a bigger discussion on how we can do this and obviously it's not something for now. But when we think about solutions, our solutions, like Ishi said, the solutions don't come from the Russians, they don't come from the Americans, they come from the Quran and the Sunnah and we should understand this. So inshallah, we'll end this podcast here. If you can go and check out our material on Twitter, YouTube, podcast, Facebook, Facebook. (laughs) Telegram, Instagram. Instagram. I need to write this down because I forget this every single time. <laughs> but We're on loads of platforms. Subscribe, share, followers. Inshallah, ta'ala. we can't really do this without first and foremost from the help of Allah subhanahu wa taala, and also by the assistance from you guys. And in fact, we're doing this for you guys uh, mainly, you know, to get this awareness out. So inshallah, ta'ala, end the podcast on that note. Assalamualaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh.